I'm looking at you through the glass. Don't know how much time has passed. beers a podcast about a podcast we discuss theorize dig into and generally nerd out about the actual play DD podcast you meet in a tavern often accompanied by special guests this time we have with us today i'm the normal guy josh and then we have another one uh yes uh i guess that other one is me uh, kirk dubay i play tug mug bar on you meet in a tavern but i think you knew that if you're here right the other one but also the important one and i'm emma i'm the one with the most notably different voice i would wager unless i do that english accent oh it's so good <laughs> i love it so much uh well uh spoiler for you two or i guess everybody that's hearing this now uh, well, actually, no, because this will come out afterwards. Ah, whatever. Time is weird. But uh, I, I do revisit uh, in this episode that that accent. Oh, wow. Ooh. Very exciting. I mean, it's, it's not, but that might be that might be a highlight among the lowlights that is that entire episode. But uh, <laughs> oh, <and> no. <laughs> for the people in the future, this is uh, going to be Arrow's Edge part four, right? Oh, man. Now we actually jinxed it. Oh, well. Okay, so in today's episode of A Few More Beers, we're going to be discussing the episodes three and... Th- no, not episodes three and four. No, episode four and <laughs> episodes five. Episodes four and five, or episodes one and two of the Hammer's Reach arc. Do you want me to time you, or are we not doing that? Uh, we can, but I have, like, so much more time, I don't even think it's worth it. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. That's fair. Okay. We'll, we'll get back to that when we do episode by episode. Mm-hmm. Okay, so our recap. Camera pans in to Carl in bed, night sweats, uh, middle of his dream. He is having terrible visions of dwarves stuck in mines, very, like, just bad news bears. Uh, he gets up, and then the Dark Lord, a.k.a. the Arch Wizard, um, also, like, she's like, I totally feel you. I know where you guys got to go. So he sends them all the Hammer's Reach because there's probably something up there. Most likely a totem or the MacGuffin, as they're more likely called. Uh, they get there. They go to the bar because it's the name of the show. Uh, they go there. They meet a really cool bartender, as per freaking usual. Um, get in touch tight with him. He's like, you got to go here. They meet a nerd. And the nerd's like, I can't get through the rock unless I got a special like space rock. And so they go on a fun quest to go get space rocks with a bunch of bombs. This dude's got in his back pocket. They break him open. They get in. Uh, they call the nerd, like, every H name under the sun, um, and, I don't know, they're pretty drunk the whole time, and that's the episode. Oh, there's a giant. The giant comes back and helps them. And that's the recap of episode one and two of Hammer's Reach. That's just one of them. Ah, uh, I kind of, like, took elements of both of them and put them all together. Uh, okay, I'll do the other okay. part, I guess, yeah, then. for sure. Just pick up the pieces, is... the few of them that remain. I will do my... I'll do my best. Um, so they kill all the kobolds and the big orc. They delegitate the the orc in the bath, and then they try to go back they down the mountain. They swim in twain, but like, like horizontal wise. But like horizontal, yeah, <laughs> along the x axis. <laughs> 
and they uh they go try to go down the hill into the blizzard but then there's like a weird cape ghost ah yes cape ghost that tug tries to punch and it just really doesn't work <laughs> okay then... <laughs> we'll come back to that but yeah let's we'll move come on back to that. we'll revisit but then walter the frost giant or ice giant frost giant frost giant We'll call it a frost giant. He he comes back and he saves them. And then they go back into the caves. And there you go back down out the other side. And then they rest. And then they go back up into the caves to get the with their newfound rock drill. The bartender's dead brother. And um, the live for me scene happens, which is totally worth noting. And then there is some fighting on some metal walkways. Ah, That's real car stuff. That's right. Yeah, you're right. I only did do one episode. That's crazy. (laughs) Wild. (laughs) This is why I take notes. (laughs) Okay, so I think our first question has been the last few times. Uh, Kirk, do you remember any of that? Uh, I do. And specifically the thing that is burned into my mind forever and where I honestly believe the podcast would die is when instead of just properly searching the cave we added an entire episode into the arc uh because we just decided to leave the way we came um despite the fact that we found like the false door but just didn't do anything we were just like now we'll just leave the way we came that was so bad i was i was i was embarrassed for us and then I was like, well, this is where we find out what our listeners are made of. Because if they, if they grinded through that, then, uh, then we've got a pretty good base. So, I mean, it was pretty funny. I think we all learned something about how colors work, <laughs> for one. If you, if you blend uh, green and blue, you get purple. Yes. I think this is one of Jamal or like Durf's shining moments is when like everyone else at the table is doing the old like head in the hands. Like how on earth did this episode even happen? And Jamal's like, the fuck you talking about? This episode's hilarious. And like there always needs to be one to, to at least pull it back slightly. And that always made me laugh a ton. Yeah, there's uh his attitude in there is I think... Um, I always kind of believed what made our podcast maybe successful or got us successful out of the gates was that a lot of people sympathized with all the problems we had because it's very day one stuff that we were grappling with. And I think that makes us endearing for a lot of people that are interested in playing and haven't or have been playing for a while and remember having gone through that stuff and uh, just kind of the growing pains of of starting out as D&D players. But uh, I think that's That's some... It's part of the fun. Universally applicable. Um, when you were first introducing yourself, uh, just in the very, I know this isn't about this particular episode, but I am curious. You mentioned you'd played some 3.5 mm-hmm. before. What was that? When was that? Did you like it? Um, I did like it. However, we didn't play with players' handbooks. Uh, I say 3.5 because that is what the gentleman who is DMing that game said it was. Um, but essentially, we couldn't really afford books, and he wasn't a very uh, big strickler on the rules, so it was kind of everything goes and your character class was kind of whatever. Like, if you could come up with it and make it seem balanced, he was just like, yeah, man, whatever you want. So when we started this and I was, I still don't own a player's handbook, which is maybe why I don't know how any of my stuff works or how it's called or how to use it properly. It's your brand but, now. You got, you can't go away <laughs> yeah. from that. Like, <laughs> I, I guess not. I guess not. Um, 
Lean in. But we, yeah, exactly. Lean into it. But now that, uh, you know, we have the subset of rules and I'm kind of understanding the game, I realized how much that was more of us just telling a story together without really with just predetermined outcomes, right? Because we could just say we were successful on things and we didn't really care. Whereas here, at least I'm a little bit more susceptible to uh, the randomness that's truly built into D&D, right? Yeah, this uh, these episodes were the origin of the long-standing issue of Tug never rolling good initiative. Yes. Uh, I'm... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's, no... <laughs> hashtag tug throw uh, it, it happens you know and like, it's what it is yeah that was a tough one we also okay so we met one of probably the most lovable npcs in this like i i can't really say that because eugene takes the cake probably in like most fan base regard but we do meet like whatever hamilton i <laughs> i can't even remember his actual hamlet? name now. Re- i think his real name is hamlet his real name's Hamlet. I'm pretty sure Hamilton is officially copyrighted forever right, now. Okay, so fine. <laughs> careful with that yeah, one. Yeah, edit, edit, edit. But uh, so you guys met Hamlet. Um, the bit was it impromptu? Like, did one of you just look at the other one and nod, <laughs> or was so, it built off um, an accident? Durf and I historically are miserable because Carl or Brian, when he plays, he actually takes some quick notes, like when we hear names, and obviously, uh. Uh, Jamal and I do not. Uh, so it started off and we couldn't remember this guy's name. So we just said Hank. And then I think he said Herbert or something. And then I, cause I was sitting, I was sitting next, I was sitting to his right. Cause we we're all recording in the same room for this one. So I tapped him on his shoulder and I just showed him my phone and I had just Googled H names, boy H names. And we were just going down the list as I was holding it between us under the table. So we, that's when we just started working in as many as we can and kind of somewhere in the middle of, of that, uh, uh, Joe kind of comes unglued and then Car- uh, Brian buys in. He pulls up a list and then uh, it just kind of took off from there. I think we get all- we get big kicks uh, getting get- getting our gigs in on Joe for sure. For sure. That's pretty, pretty, <laughs> for sure. pretty deeply. It's evident. so funny because traditionally like uh, Jamal or Turf, it makes sense because like the druid, that's so typical to do as a druid, right? You can change into animals and the, the nonsense you can get up to with that is there monks not so much like it's a pretty straightforward rock'em sock'em punch stuff class but you still get into the shenanigans like that's not a problem i don't have the the magic to rely on to to pull some of that stuff off yeah but, uh, <laughs> playing at a disadvantage we, we 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 make uh we make it we make do okay good yeah but uh despite despite being one of the most like physically straightforward classes you managed to pull out these like brilliant theater of the mind-esque like i don't know visual rp things while you're doing what you're doing does that come from like any did you like used to do like improv things or is it just like a natural um uh acumen i think it actually just helps me visualize what's going on which Mm. is i guess serves the dual purpose of helping the listeners visualize what's going on but like some of that stuff i think about movies that i've seen and whatever and just what can what what which of those situations can i put tug in anime all that stuff woodhaven smash is just the best thing (laughs) uh that dawned on me like two days before we recorded and i was like if i get into a situation whenever that happens next i'm gonna use that so just kind of using this previous uh exposures to myself and things that i enjoy and things i 
you know, if I'm not bound by uh, the natural world, you know, what would Tug do and put him in those situations? Because I can't do it. So there you go. Yeah. Kind of leading off that you we you've talked about before. And I think a lot of the other cast have talked about before. Your guys characters are very much like extrapolations of you sometime like caricatures almost. Do you have any other inspirations for Tug? Uh, or was it like just mostly you and your style of humor and then you put it into a halfling or gnome accidentally, but. <laughs> and if I may add, I know at the beginning you said you didn't really think too much about him. He's just an angry little dude. Um, but to extend this question into like, as you went along, if there's anything you pulled in along the way. Sure. So, uh, starting off, I, I must say, I kind of got this analogy from, uh, wrestling and a stone cold steve austin once said stone cold steve austin is just my personality turned up you know past the past 10 up to 11 or 12 and that's what made it relatable or understandable or believable or what have you um i like wrestling and i kind of tried to apply this with with tug so i just took my personality if i extrapolated on it and then what is the funniest form that that can take within the options I'm given? Um, and I think it's quite evident that I try to take two things that normally wouldn't marry together and come together. So, you know, a halfling monk with just uh, larger than life, maybe attitude or self-awareness or presence um two crunk with the half orc barbarian rapper like conceptually that's hilarious to me but it doesn't actually make sense within context i don't think to the mechanically game. sure yeah yeah makes um sense. so that's kind of just what i tried to do with those characters so that's what i did with tug at the at the beginning and i still think i carry that through however you know with the x amount of episodes we've done so far i think I would have gotten really tired of Tug, and I think the listeners would have gotten especially tired of Tug because it is a very grating attitude for a character to have to listen to every other week have. Um, I wanted to develop him a little bit to maybe ground him in reality and make him relatable, which I think is kind of how I felt like every time, like, are we just listening arbitrarily to this wizard to go do this thing? Or, uh, oh, we just watched our city get so much. <laughs> but, yeah. it's, it's like, we just watched our city get destroyed. Like, what are we doing right now? And trying to bring some of those elements into what, or it's kind of a caricature of a, of a normal person as a character, I think. Yeah. And you really do bring the, you know, we, I think we were talking last episode about, like your role as sort of like kind of the funny one, but also there is a lot of the whole, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You, you make it, you make sure that, that everything that Joe throws at you, it has to be believable enough. Like there's a point in one of these two episodes, I think it's the second of the two that we're talking about where, uh, the bartender, I don't remember if it's Marty, if it's Barty, my notes are not that good. I think it must be Barty because you guys are making, Back to the Future jokes about the one he was dead. Right, so, yes. <laughs> Barty, <laughs> I think it must be Barty. So Barty comes in and says, um, I need a favor. And Tug just goes, no, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I don't feel like it. And like, that's so reasonable. Mm -hmm. And like, as a DM, I just like shrivel a little bit when I hear that. But like, it's it's totally necessary. And it, and it draws, I think it draws people into the world a little bit more. Just because like, you kind of push Joe to have a good enough reason for you to go along this quest. And especially in these earlier episodes, you really kind of, you know, you kind of fight them on it. And I think that's pretty awesome because <laughs> it's so classic D&D &D to just like, oh, well, he guess the DM said maybe we should do this. So let's just do it because... Right. So I, I know a thing that similar to that that keeps popping up is 
arbitrarily trusting uh you know the the high the high mage in the tower every time he just sends us on some seemingly arbitrary quest for another item that we don't know how they work um that not only is incredibly grating to me as a person but i i I really wanted to make sure that my opinion of just these arbitrary things was known within the episode because i think that's how tug would react to it like you just lost your entire village everybody you know or you know believed to be dead and uh but we have to go find a necklace and we have to go find uh all these other totems or MacGuffins, and none of that seems and then we come back we just throw them into a pool so it disappears like but we don't really know this guy and it's like the guy that we're helping is also the teacher of the dude that destroyed everything so like is he good? Is this what we're doing now? To be fair, like a large majority of the fan base is <laughs> alongside with you guys in that same regard. Like so many, like I even threw it in at the in my little recap, but like Archmages, Dreadlord, like it's a very common, very common theme brought up uh, or at least wants something more. But that makes a lot of sense. Do you have a favorite fan theory, do you think? Um, your own you can also <laughs> just posit one instead of pulling I, from I, the uh, the pool I, I know this is super low hanging fruit but my first uh, the, the first person I can't recall who it was that just said oh this is easy Eugene is the, the dread king I was like yeah actually I kind of hope that's how that pans out because that's again conceptually hilarious to me and kind of breaks the convention so I think that's funny um, I also really like the uh this is less of a theory, more of just kind of what's going on, but the totems and how they kind of represent uh, the seven deadly sins, stuff like that. Like, I think that's really neat and uh, a credit to uh, Joe's ability as a DM to definitely be able to see the larger picture when uh, myself and Durf especially get incredibly tunnel visioned on the just the really like we get stumbled up and caught up on like very basic stuff. Uh so I, I credits to uh, both Brian and Joe for for at least having the ability to see a little bit past the end of their nose and <laughs> and picking up on a bigger picture because I don't think I have that ability not quite yet. So I'm slightly hurt that you didn't take like my specific tug theory about one of the priests is gonna be like his great ancestor that I wrote like 800 words on, but it's fine. Like I get it, I get it. Uh, uh, this podcast subtitle should be Josh has grudges. Josh gets hurt by cast, cast members. members. If you meet in a tavern, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> sure, a good show title. Yeah. Uh, yeah. However, I do. Have, uh, speaking of uh, wait, fan for those base, at home, I have to. I have to announce this for those at home. Brian just poked his head into the frame to nod. Uh, Harry Potter to sucks. Nod Let's in move agreement. on. Um, <laughs> okay. Oh God. Uh, so speaking of fan base, say, uh, like Kirk, your fan base, like of Tug, is is up there. Not as outspoken as Carl's crazy team carl on the discord but you do have do are you aware that they call like we call ourselves tuggers uh, i saw that uh, i think yesterday okay uh, which i i definitely uh definitely enjoy In, respect endorse. and i hope that uh, i hope the naming convention stays because that's exactly the type of lowbrow shit that i would want it to yeah. be <laughs> see that's what i thought uh, and it's just the best thing full Full credit where it's due. That was originated by Holly Rocks. All right, yeah. On the Discord. Too, but Tuggers is just, hilarious. Just putting that out there. <laughs> oh, that laugh a lot. Love it. Love it. So can we kind of go a little bit behind the curtain here? And we saw a little bit of your in-person 
well, quote unquote, in-person dynamic with everyone in the latter of these two episodes, you're kind of the linchpin for the whole group, Kirk, because you are the person who knew Brian, right? Uh, correct. Yeah. Separately from everyone mm-hmm. else. So the rest of you met in college, right? Yes. How did you meet? Uh, if it's, you know, an okay story to tell. Yeah, no, we're, we're, uh, we're all actually in the uh, same fraternity in college. Uh, Joe and Jamal were friends from high school and they both came to NKU and I was a year older than them. And, um, there weren't, let's say there weren't too many of us in the, in the fraternity that, uh, really dug and clung on to, uh, what we will like to call, which is, I guess now a little bit more socially acceptable, but all the super nerdy stuff. Uh, so we were always, you know, we were still playing like smash 64 and having tournaments and, doing that type of stuff, watching zombie movie marathons. And that, that, those are all things that we did. We just drink a whole bunch and do a bunch of nerd stuff. Okay. Um, <laughs> Best of both worlds. I, I think there, that's pretty good. So, uh, so that was kind of the setting up for that. Uh, I met Brian uh, playing magic, the gathering um, at our local store. Woo. So uh, magic is uh, definitely still an important thing in my life. Um, but so Joe came in, approached me with the idea of the podcast. Would I be interested in it? And I said, yes. And he said, I, you know, I think Jamal's going to do it. We are kind of need another person. And I was like, I know exactly who I think we should ask for this. And um, at this point, uh, Joe and Brian, I think, met a few times through myself. That, that might not be exactly accurate. Uh, but they were both um, groomsmen in my wedding. So they got to know each other through there. I think they forged a little bit of friendship. Conversations went on. And um, I think it's very evident uh, what Brian brings to the table amongst the podcast, which is um, a cl- like a level headedness uh, that I, that I certainly, again, don't have. Um, but it kind of is the perfect foil maybe to tug as a person in in the in the podcast itself. So uh, that's kind of how we all came together. Obviously, it was Joe's idea. He did all the legwork, still does all the legwork and uh, pulled us all together to get this thing started. So what you're saying is all the Team Carl people are actually Team Tug. That's that's uh, a, I guess I could have just said it in, in those words. <laughs> Really took the window to your okay, sales now, there, but yeah, <laughs> that's how it goes. Now, uh, now Brian's sticking his head in the frame to shake his head no at me disapprovingly. Um, what was your initial reaction to like Joe talking to you about the podcast? Like when he brought it up, were you just super amped or were you meh or uh, the idea about making a show and then also broadcasting it? Um, I was super amped. My only concern at the time was uh, the amount of time we would take because originally he wanted to record every week. Um, uh, we kind of came up on the back end, you know, and we proposed to Joe, like, why don't we just record once a month for a longer amount of time? Um, and we've gone away from that because of life schedules and stuff, but all that to say that, uh, that was my only concern to start off, but I was, uh, I was all in if we could make, uh, make the timing work, um, and the, the commitment level work, uh, which I think we were able to do reasonably well. Oh, absolutely. Nice. Mm-hmm. So you've played D&D. So the podcast has been going on for not quite two years, right? Like it's somewhere year and a half-ish, at least. Yeah, year and a half sounds about right. That's my... I've just kind of thrown spaghetti at a wall, I think. But um, so it's somewhere in there. Uh, Have you only played as a player now? Or have you ever tried foraying into the the DM seat? 
Um, I think for one of our one shots, I'll be put in the hot seat, but I've only been a player so far. Um, and yeah, you know, I don't, uh, I, I don't know how I would do as a DM to be quite honest. Uh, it takes a certain, certain, uh, chop and mindset to to be able to dm properly i i just don't know if i have that i really love playing i can conceptually i think i might have some decent ideas but i don't think i could uh uh play within the bounds of the game very well yeah <laughs> yeah that understandable and yeah completely fair too do you have a favorite like tug moment like if you were to spotlight this or maybe not even favorite or just like yeah no i nailed it there like i was tug the first thing that stuck out when you asked me, and it's not a Tug moment, but it's a very Kirk moment, is uh, when I forgot the race of Tug, which like by like episode yes! eleven, um, that's that's just like always in the back of my mind. How could I like? How is that something you? It's on my character sheet. It's written right at the top. Um, that that is something that I was embarrassed enough to throw out there in the ether. Um, that was kind of embarrassing. I must say, I think. Uh, I really, 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 really liked just the the arena battle that we were a part of. Um, I thought that I think that was kind of like the coming out party of Tug as uh, just kind of a, a physical force of the group. Um, I got I just kind of hit some some hot rolls and was able to just uh, lay waste to a couple of the combatants in there, which uh, Joe told me afterwards a little bummed about because he didn't really get to do anything with the cool characters he came up with. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's a DM's so, cross to bear for sure. Uh, so I, I would say that in a, a combative scenario and. As a character, I kind of, I really liked uh, the we need to get the fuck out of here out of the fake Leaky Toad moment. Ah, yes. I think, I think, I <laughs> yeah. think uh, is, is a very tug thing. And I think, I think that whole scenario was very tug. And I have to say, if I had to choose a personality, like I feel like I nailed it or got it right, I think that's, that's it. That's what I'll, I'll go to. Yeah, that's sort of the epitome of the, like, I need a favor, no thanks. You know, it's like he enters this fake town and it's like, no, no thank you. <laughs> I'm good without. If you, um, I know you've already made two crunks, so you can't really top tug in two crunk, but if you had to pick another race class combination, I know you said you like making kind of interesting mishmash, um, maybe subversive <laughs> roles. You know, I really think I really think I made Tug because uh, I thought that it was again in my mind's eye like low hanging fruit, and I think Two Crunk is the epitome of just polar opposite things jabbed together with the added flair of uh, being a rapper. I thought that was again just uh, I don't I don't think I'll be able to amalgamate something better than Two Crunk. I don't I don't think I can do that. Uh, and to be quite honest. I don't know enough about all the races and all the other classes to, uh, to, to, to come up with something on the spot that's better than that. That's totally fair. That makes a lot of sense. Um, something something that, I, that I noticed a lot of in these episodes that I wanted to make sure that I mentioned was this is when we kind of started getting the, uh, the epithets, I think. So like a champion's 13 and uh, a gentleman's 11. And there are a couple others that were in this one of these two. I think it was in the first of the two episodes. Um, do you just use that in your day to day life? I must know if you speak like this on a regular basis. Uh, yeah, I kind of <laughs> do. I kind of <laughs> do. Um, yes, 
That's awesome. I like I I I say disrespectfully disagree all the time. Um, yeah, that was in this the, for the first. That was the first time we heard this. The person who's like listen second. to both of your podcasts. Yeah, you do <laughs> a lot. I say I and when I say it, I truly mean that I disagree and I don't respect your opinion in this in this scenario, which is why I think. I think it's so strong and it's even more powerful outside of an entertainment venue. Like when you're having a conversation, you can look somebody at eye and said, I disrespectfully disagree with that. Um, uh, it's a come total to, power move. It's, it's, a, it's a, a come to Jesus meeting for them, especially cause they probably never heard it before. But so I use that a lot. I definitely use that a lot. I say uh 0%. I might've already said it on this podcast before. Yeah. Like 0% chance instead of saying no. Um, and then the gentleman stuff really only started coming in with the rolling of the dice, uh, cause I was trying to spruce up my hyper medium rolls, which plagued me, I think for like the first half of this campaign or whatever. Yeah. A solid, solid half of the campaign for sure. Speaking of the mediocre, uh, rolls or what'd you say? S- hyper medium, yeah, hyper medium I- rolls. Speaking of the hyper medium rolls, this was your first dungeon delve in this game. I mean, I know it wasn't technically a dungeon, but it's the first time you kind of have to go on this extended foray into a place where you're expecting a sizable amount of combat. And you caught some damage right outside of the cave before you even went in, and you were kind of rolling crap, and then uh, you almost got capped by Durf uh, immediately. Did you think Tug was going to die? And, like, did you think Durf was going to die when he was throwing Eugene to the ether and shouting live like were you worried about like the po- okay podcast is going to end in six episodes so uh i th- i think derf did a good job of playing joe into a corner to not let him die um whereas i i think jamal is just kind of uh maybe he's more connected to derf now but at the time i think he was just like yeah whatever like if i die it's not like the podcast and then i'll just make another guy or whatever whereas i was already uh i was already like bonded with tug and it's like one of those things like at the time i didn't th- i didn't think tug would die because we were on episode four or whatever so i think that would just kind of be a bad bad flavor for everybody because you can't just start learning i i definitely believe now that we're all on the hot seat to die i truly believe that um I, and i don't i don't think it's nothing joe has said to us that like yes you you've been greenlit to die if you play like a fool <laughs> Uh, or if you roll bad enough, but I think we all kind of got that feeling. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a few shy looks from the DM saying you're on the chopping block next time. Yeah, we. D- I definitely feel like that that uh, tug tug can perish at any moment. Now, in in that particular episode, I just kept telling myself, oh, "There's no way this is how this ends. Like, there's there, there, this this can't be it, right?" Yeah, pinch me, I'll wake up. This is fine. But now you're at a high enough level where you're kind of fair game. Oh, yeah. Uh, 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 100%. <laughs> it's to the point now where just, just say, it's, uh, it's to the point now where I think not only are we invested in these characters, I think Joe's invested in our characters. And I think everybody that listens, whatever team you may fall in, I think everybody's invested into every character to some degree. So there's definitely, uh, we'll say, emotional value in having one of us die. <laughs> I hope it doesn't happen, but that's fair. That, that's that's going to be a hell of a twist or a hell of an event if if something like that were to happen. So, who's who's your call? Who's who's going first? Honestly, probably Tug. Uh, like he's just 
I mean, he's just this. He's just he's a glass cannon. I don't know how else to explain just what he is. If you remember the first Men in Black movie, Tug is the noisy cricket. Yes. That gun that when Will Smith fires it, he like flies back like 15 feet and crashes into cars and stuff. And then like half the city block blows up. That's Tug is. Tug is the noisy cricket from Men in Black. That's somehow the second time in two days that the first Men in Black movie has come into my life. That's so weird. Swings in when you least expect it. (laughs) That's right. I had a question about this episode in particular. So this is the first time we get, well, okay, not the first time we have competing burglary, but the first time I think we have like- You read my mind. Best burglar (laughs) um, that is claimed. And you, you claim it at the start. Well, in like a manner of speaking, you've got the most gold- not the most things unlocked. Um, so, okay, you said you've watched some anime, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, are you like a Naruto? Did you ever watch that at all? That was such a shy little yes. That was so funny. You're like, mm-hmm, yeah, I guess maybe some. <laughs> no, I do. I do. I uh, I haven't watched Naruto. Let me tell you why. Because I only watch anime that I can reasonably catch up in in my daily lifetime. So you didn't start in 2003. So you can't catch up. And I, I, I could. I choose not to. Yeah. Okay. Fair. fair That's fair. fair. That's fair. Well, hmm. Okay. You watch My Hero Academia. Yes, I definitely okay, watch so that. So we know how we have we have Bakugo and we got like Deku just always like epic rivalry. And it, the series would be incomplete if like the final epicness is not some kind of competition between the two. Can we look forward to an end of series you meet in a tavern, burglar off for like the final encounter between Tug and Durf? Is that something I can hope for? Uh, I that's something I hope for. All right, and who would um, win? Uh, honestly, uh, I mean probably Durf because he has he's actually like stat loaded to do that stuff. Right. I just li- I just like to chap his ass about it because I can. And the only reason I started saying the best burglar is because. All he would talk about when we weren't recording is like, I can't wait to go burgle some things. I, I'm like, I can't wait to just ha- like get my, my burglar on. But he would never like do much of it in the episode. Do it. So, yeah. I, so I just started saying, well, as the best burglar in the group, just because I knew it would drive him up a wall. That's Because awesome. he knew that I didn't care at all about burglaring anything. But it was something he just wanted to make his character be proficient at. To be fair, he's a lawyer, and a lot of us look for escapism in D&D, so maybe that's some of what it is. Exactly. And just the fact that I've beaten him a couple times, like, canonically in the game, is so much sweeter, too. <laughs> yeah, makes it all worth it, for sure. Drives him up a wall. You also, uh, you also proclaim in the first of these two episodes that, I think you say, I don't remember if this is a direct quote, but it's pretty close, Durf is the ugly one. Uh-huh. You're like, who has the highest charisma? And you're trying to figure it out. And you're like, yeah, okay, but Darth is the only one. And I'm wondering if you guys are like competitive in real life or if this is just sort of like a in-game ribbing that just happens to come up between the two of you. Uh, it's in-game ribbing between the two of us, but we actually don't even, we're not even up to par on each other's skill sets. So we can't even like bicker about things because the things that he's good at i am just honestly miserable at and the things that i'm good at he is also miserable at so we don't even challenge each other on those things because it's just like well it's not gonna be fun it's like me playing my basketball against michael jordan right like i'm gonna get destroyed it's not gonna be fun i hate basketball right but if you like competed with michael jordan in a D podcast you just demolish the guy probably or maybe not i don't know <laughs> probably <laughs> 
So this is your arena for competition, which is why it's so contentious. I'll say it's definitely, uh, it leads itself to, uh, to some personality traits that I have, we'll say. <laughs> Incredible. Sweet. I'm trying to think if there is, oh, there is, there's two one-liners, I think in the second Hammer's Reach episode that caught my attention and I would, I am going to formally request some, um, explanation if you don't mind. One. What is a butt fumble? I must know. Okay, so a butt fumble is actually a Googleable thing, and it's not anything raunchy, but it's uh, Mark Sanchez. I believe he was playing with the Jets. Yes, he quite he he quite literally. It's a butt fumble. I mean, it's like it's <laughs> it's, it's a butt fumble. It, he just, it defies description. He just he gets asked out and he drops the ball. It's a butt fumble. It's just it's. It's yeah, it's that's exactly what it is. Yep. <laughs> okay, so I'll have to Google that one. Uh during your long rest, when Durf is being tucked in by Hamlet and Jeeves, there's it's very quiet and it's under some crosstalk, but you say, I sleep like a vampire. Does, <laughs> yeah, what's okay, up with that, Kurt? Canon does Tug <laughs> sleep upside down, like what with prayer hands? That's um, what your vampire I, sleep is? No, 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 no. That's just me laughing and praying for an answer to this question because I don't remember saying that at all, and I don't know what would motivate me to say that at Probably all. Probably alcohol. At Probably all. Probably alcohol, I would guess. Um, yeah, no good answer for that one. <laughs> Stumped you there. I don't know. Uh, okay, so we'll just have to imagine forever. Because now I just, like, in my head, I think, like, tug sleeps like upside down hanging from the rafters i don't know that's more like a bat than a vampire but are you ready for the rapid fire round kirk all right let's go all right uh favorite arc uh, uh red sands okay fair uh favorite item that you've got from the fishery or whatever tower place uh two crunks greatest hits okay yeah for sure. <laughs> my own creation <laughs> that's a quite a power move what kind of question okay. man what kind of question um okay favorite uh favorite boss villain like your your final arc fight uh red sands the big bull when i got to take the necklace off <laughs> okay fair um if you and another cast member could switch characters who would you switch with uh eugene <laughs> And have Joe play Tug. Fair enough. That'd be pretty good. Tug is an NPC. Okay. Um, if Tug could retire, uh, in the real in our Earth, where would he retire? Ooh, in our Earth, Ireland. Okay. Yeah. That that makes That's the most totally sense. That's totally fair. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. My rapid fire round. I went. Uh huh. Okay. I have a question that we've been asking everyone, just because um, Josh likes to start shit sometimes. Which is, how do you feel about Harry Potter? Okay, uh, podcast I'm, I'm over. A, fun episode, guys. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Harry Potter. Yay. Yeah, you're seriously outnumbered, dude. To be fair, I don't hate Harry Potter, but it's become like a running gag of this show. And so I feel like I have to hate Harry Potter. Potter. Why do you hate Harry Potter, man? We. It's just, it's not exciting. It. Like, it's, it's just other. He's never read it, is the answer. Brian's back. I can't see his face. Yeah, but I can't. I've his never forehead. read all the books either. I guess is something I should say. Of all the other random like teen fiction, I like almost everything else. But we got to draw the line at Harry teen Potter. Teen fiction. <laughs> Come on. Oh man. Look, I'm. I don't get to be competitive in real life, so this is yeah, where okay, this is enough. my play field. Mm -hmm. <laughs> cool. Um, I can't think. I don't think I have any 
thing. Of course, I'm going to get off the call and think of something, but... Oh, this is a question that I'm going to ask you. It's not necessarily episode related. I, I could hear rustling in the second one where you guys are all in the same room where Joe clearly has drawn a map of one of the combat fields. Does he normally like hold up a visual aid over Skype or do you guys usually just all talk it out so that people listening can also kind of hear? Um, we talk it out. Uh, some of the ones that get a little bit more, uh, more difficult to conceptualize he'll sketch something up and send it over lightroom or skype or whatever just so we have something to reference to when we're describing what we're doing um but that's uh, pretty few and far between okay and my last question is who's your favorite pokemon of all time uh raichu 100 percent. i mean it's a good choice it's not my favorite but it's a really good choice and also screw pikachu right 100 percent. yeah hell yeah Pikachu's the uh, just the absolute dirt worst. That's just a better version. It's just a better version. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if Ash, if Ash stepped up and used a Thunderstone to beat Lieutenant Surge like he should have, um, instead of using attacks that do nothing like Tail Whip and Quick Attack, um, then you know maybe maybe he would have won the Pokemon League by now instead of having lost it fucking Every eight times. Fucking time, yeah. So, jeez. Oh, anti shout out to Ash and Pikachu. Ride mm-hmm. you for life. Yes. A low end Raichu or like... standard Raichu? Uh, both, but I'm going to have to go OG as my favorite. Raichu sounds like the perfect place to uh, wrap up a D&D podcast. <laughs> anything, uh, our final question kind of thing, anything you want to ask the fan base as a whole, or I guess your Patreon supporters, <laughs> because they're the um, ones listening to this. Ask uh, first, or tell, I guess. Uh, first off, thank you everybody so much that tunes in every week, whether you're a Patreon supporter or not, and I don't know... Uh, they're not the exact reach that'll that'll get this but i'd like to think people will share it out a little bit and get everybody involved blah 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 uh y'all are beautiful people thank you and um i don't necessarily have any questions but just something if you ever want to reach out i am uh pretty available uh to talk whatever that is um i try and hop in the discord from time to time and just do like hey got an hour to burn start ripping questions and you know we'll we'll have a hangout so uh i'm please join that if i if i you get the opportunity but if you just want to send me a message or you have a question about tug or about me personally or you have something going on in your life that you just need an arbitrary person to to shoot the shit with uh hit me up on twitter and we'll we'll chat it out we'll figure it out it's all good love you all Jamal, do you want to do episode four of A Few More Beers? Interesting, interesting. So, okay, I mean, I'm glad you think it's interesting, but, like, do you want to do it, or should I try and find somebody else? I'm just, I just need an answer. Interesting, interesting. Damn it, Jamal, interesting is not an answer. All right, you know what? Episode four, you're on.